Alive and Kicking is sponsored by DeskBeers.com, perfect as a gift or a thank you to the team at the end of a long week. Each DeskBeers box contains a selection of 12 of the best craft beers available, with two to three styles in each box. As a special offer for Alive and Kicking listeners, you can get 20% off your first order by entering the code AK90 when you sign up at DeskBeers.com. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than a John Travolta and Samuel Jackson conversation talking about Royale with cheese. I'm Ash Rose, and tonight we're going to be looking at memorable matches of the 90s. So yes, we will be talking four threes, Keegan slumps, three alls and four ones, all rolled into one 90s podcast just for you guys. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at AK90s. I know a lot of you have been tweeting us uh, different merchandise and different kits and stuff, and we love seeing that, so uh, please just keep them going and, and follow us there. You can also subscribe to on iTunes, of course, and listen to all the previous episodes that we've done. Um, we've covered stuff like kits the sticker one was pretty popular last week all the mini stickers we did so i'm sure we'll be repeating that as well but yeah go on itunes uh drop us a, a rating and a, and a review that'd be great and, and subscribe um but tonight we are yes as i said we're talking memorable matches and i've got quite a, a little bit of a rivalry going in front of me tonight because we've, we've got two guests so unfortunately our, our third guest couldn't make it so we are now looking at a rivalry that's not just 90s that's gone throughout football i think um it, well as far as we can remember actually so in in the liverpool corner i have um well, he's a writer for The Guardian and also co-editor of a book called We're Everywhere Us. Is that correct? What's it called? That's correct. About Liverpool. Spot um, on, yeah. From The Guardian, as I said, uh, Sashi Nakani. Good evening. Good evening. Thank Did I say that correctly? Well. Absolutely spot on. Oh, brilliant. Perfect. Nailed it. Oh, that's all right to hear. Uh, and on the other side, the Man United side, as I said, the rivalry is right here with us tonight. Um, former podcast. I've been on your show. Podcaster, we returned the favour, haven't we? Here, we certainly have. Ash, and the people becomes a master. It, there we go. And look, <laughs> and actually, a Man United fan with a proper Northern accent as yeah, well. well it's faded a little bit, mate. Uh, well, that's what we like to hear. Uh, Charlie Coffey, welcome. Thank you. We also Back have in the 90s. Yeah, we are. We're full on in. The, we're not wearing shell suits, but we are full on in the nineties <laughs> tonight. Uh, we also have a uh, editor of Shoot Magazine uh, talk to us later. We, where he's going to be talking about an epic playoff final from nineteen ninety eight, and we chat to Roy Evans as well, uh, the manager from uh, the epic four three uh, of Liverpool during that era. So before we start talking, because. We're going to mainly probably talk about the Premier League era because that's the bulk of the 90s and a lot of the games came from that. Um, I'm going to just ask a couple, throw this out. Are there any games that spring to mind pre-Premier League? Because the one that always, and this will relate to you um, definitely, Sasha, because it's Liverpool. There's going to be a lot of Liverpool tonight. And it's the uh, the 4-4 early on Merseyside derby, which was a, was it an FA Cup game, I remember. Yeah, it was Kenny Dalglish's last game as manager. Uh, so it was the 1990-91 season. Um, it was mid it was midweek, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I was pretty young at the time. I was about 10, but it was like on a Wednesday night. And yeah, it was a game that swung. I think Liverpool led four times in that game. And uh, Tony Cotty, remember, got an equaliser. Mm. Kenny resigned, I think, in the dressing room. Uh, and then Ronnie Moran was in charge of the replay, which Liverpool lost 1-0. And it was just kind of the start of the end, really. I mean, for me, uh, pre-Premier League, one game absolutely stands out. And that's the famous 2-0 uh, Arsenal game, the Michael mm. Thomas game. It was probably the first game I remember. Um, I'm from a family of, sort of mixed Arsenal-Liverpool fans. So we all watched it together at my uncle's house, who's an Arsenal fan. 
uh, Friday, May the 26th, 1989. Mm. Just stands out and... Uh, we'll let you off even though it's 89. It's just sne- you're just sneaking an 80s in there. Oh, sorry, 80s, of course. <laughs> apologies, apologies, yeah. It's, it's a so- big enough game, though. How old are you, mate? <laughs> I've uh, 34. He's, he's seen it all. Yeah. I've seen it as well. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so, sorry, it is an 80s game, just about. But yeah, that, that was my first real memory of watching football live and, uh, yeah, obviously devastating night. Mm. Any games for you, Charlie? Pre to early 90s that, that stand out? I'm struggling to remember the games we're talking about. <laughs> I think 94 is about uh, the USA 94 is where mm. my memory starts. Um, yeah, I'm a Premier League and Sky era boy, I'm mm. afraid. Yeah. yeah, the game that personally stands out for me that was the pre Premier League, and I'm not just saying this because Charlie's only a main hype fan, but as QPR, we, we went to Old Trafford in, on New Year's Day in, in 1992 well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and beat them 4 1, which. Is un- well, unbelievable at the time. I'm even more unbelievable now. But Dennis yeah. Bailey got a hat trick. Um, Andy Singh got the other goal. And it was on telly as well. Wasn't it wasn't. It? Yeah, it was, it was ITV. ITV the match with the match. Elton Wellsby. Yeah, whatever yeah. happened to him it was on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. everyone. Yeah, so that goes down to folk lords. So before we move on to Roy Evans, I uh, I usually ask you guys your '90s CV, and I forgot before we started. So that, let's go back to that. That what we call the '90s football CV. Um, so let's start with you, saying So what would you how, sum up the '90s for Liverpool? Um, well, very frustrating decade. Obviously, they'd been the dominant team in England for the for the twenty years previously. Um, won only two trophies in the nineties: the FA mm. Cup in ninety two and the League Cup or the Coca Cola Cup, as it was in ninety five. Um, and obviously, just the, the the start, the end, really of their of their period of dominance with United taking over. Uh, very a very difficult time. They had uh, three different managers: Souness, uh, Evans, and Houllier. Um, constant change never quite good enough you always think they're one player away and then they sign that player and then mm. they're still away uh, lots of really bad players in that time as well but also I think uh, you know we'll talk about in detail that team that played in the 4-3 against Newcastle was definitely one of the best I think most uh, not the best Liverpool team because they had loads of flaws but certainly one of the most exciting Liverpool yeah. teams the attack especially wasn't it it was phenomenal yeah absolutely I mean it was just you know I watched the 4-3 again this afternoon obviously in preparation for this and the, they just they just poured forward and it looked so smooth and and Coordinated, they knew what they were doing as an attacking team. It was just defensively let themselves down. But obviously, for me, a great time. It was the decade I grew up watching football. Um, so even though we didn't win a lot and uh, we were struggling to, to to you know to compete with Man United, obviously, and we didn't but essentially, uh, you know, it was a great decade for me. I have loads of fond memories of watching football in the 90s. And of all those, your favourite player, Liverpool player of the 90s. Uh, uh, Robbie Fowler I would suggest I mean John Barnes was my childhood hero but in the 90s uh, you know just at the end of the 80s and 90s I started watching football and that's when he was at his peak but in the 90s he, he was still a great player he played centre midfield he didn't mm, yeah. not, not many players have done it where he's gone from you know brilliant winger I to remember his game holding. he came back in the Liverpool team it was a Loftus Road and he played centre midfield and I think yeah. he came off the bench and set up the winner that, that night as yeah. well, so. well it was an amazing thing he's, you know, he did to, to, to make that conversion I mean one player I always like to mention is Rob Jones who I mean you guys may not remember but he was uh, England, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was at his England debut actually the France yeah. 90, uh, 92 Shearer Alan Shearer, scored, yeah. Yeah, yeah well he came from crew for £250,000 uh, his debut was away at United uh, marked Ryan Giggs out of the game it was a nil-nil and he was just absolutely brilliant. And I think he had, you know his career got struck down by injuries. But if he hadn't, he would have got 100 caps for England. I'm convinced. And he, he was a brilliant player. And I've met, and I've, uh, met him once, spoken to him once on the phone, and lovely guy. As yeah, well. he, he follows us on Twitter actually, and uh, we've been trying to get him on the show. Um, he's a bu- he is a busy man. He's told me, but he's going to try and come at some yeah. point. So be good to speak to him. And, and favourite 90s player overall? Someone outside of Liverpool? Oh, caught me out there. Um, Ooh, I would say the original Ronaldo. That's yeah. not very original to say that. I just, somebody else actually, given Charlie's here as well. Um, I always loved Eric Cantona yeah. from a distance. I just thought 
he just oozed kind of charisma and he was a very good footballer and there was a story that Graham Sooners had the chance to sign him mm. and turned it down and he just it's one of those sliding doors moments yeah. you wonder what would have happened although we probably would have ruined him anyway, so I don't <laughs> as, as an opposition fan you probably wanted to admire him from a distance because he'd kick you in the face <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah well you mentioned Ronaldo it's actually his birthday today so happy birthday to the to the real Ronaldo the real rather than original Ronaldo original yes. Ronaldo yeah. who he put on a few pounds Really, didn't he? But he did. He yeah, he, he was in a reality show uh, about losing his weight, and uh, I think he got it back down. But I think he, like Rooney, I mean, how big's Rooney going to be when he's, <laughs> when he's 40, 50 You know, what I mean, he struggles to keep his weight down as a, as a twenty-odd-year-old footballer. So. It's one of the very few that have been applauded off of the Old Trafford pitch as the opposition, though, isn't he, Ronaldo? Yeah, I was at that game. Yeah. Uh, I was very bitter actually, and I, I didn't stand up. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ronaldo, <laughs> and I forgot to send you a birthday card. That, that's so. fair. That's a proper fan. <laughs> Let's talk Man United then. I mean, we had uh, Michael on last week he was a Man United fan and I said it's probably the easiest sum up we'll have so far sum up the 90s for Man United well when he said CV um, I kept it down to one sentence which was glory glory Man United which is all you need and you're gonna opposition fans are gonna hate that but from when I started remembering football at 10 it, United just kept winning and uh, I had a season ticket from 95 and I thought that's, that's what football was you know you turn up your team batters the other team and you, you go home happy <laughs> And, uh, that is a hard life as a Man United fan. It is. My boss was a City fan, and he said, "You know, you haven't dealt with the the disappointment and the toil of of, of losing all the time." Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, as a fan going to Old Trafford, it was some of the players we saw, some of the games we saw. I was spoiled, you know. Mm. Um, when we were faced with being the Europa League, I couldn't bear turning up against <laughs> some, some of the sides. But I'm used to watching Juventus, Real Madrid. Um, so yeah, it was very enjoyable. Now I'm starting to see, uh, you know, a few the other side of it. It's actually yeah. more exciting. Actually, <laughs> I kind of prefer it, and I know. It. Welcome to our world, Charlie. Welcome to our world. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we mentioned Cantona already. Is would yeah. he be your favourite '90s Man United player? I'm actually going to go for Andre Konchelskis. Oh, nice one! Yeah, yeah I was a, a right winger, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm more of a, a goalkeeper's frame at the moment. Yeah, for but, any, obviously um, it's very visual. But Charlie, what you must be six foot, six five. Yeah, six foot exactly, and I'm. <laughs> literally 5-6 so we look great standing in this room together but trust me but yeah so you'd imagine you'd be a goalkeeper but yeah. right wing you started at I was I used to be fast and uh, Konchelskis was the original sort of um, he was rapid white on the on the heels of your boots winger yeah. you know he was like Antonio Valencia if you can imagine yeah. he can play football <laughs> he actually had a decent cross and he'd go outside players and they wouldn't even have a chance they knew what he was yeah. going to do but he was that fast uh, and he was a proper old school winger, English winger. Even I remember was, that. Was it the hat trick he scored? Was it against in the City against derby? City, yeah. yeah. And I was wearing. I was in a, this pub with my dad, and I was wearing a Konchelska shirt. My dad had hated the fact to ask for Konchelska because it cost, it cost, it cost much much money. <laughs> he was like, "What about David May? What about Ince yeah. or, or Keane?" But I'd, I insisted it was fourteen as well, so it was two numbers. Two numbers. <laughs> but yeah, I got, I got some guy put me on his shoulders there. Was, was what shirt was that? With red home one that laces. Was the home one, yeah, the red one. I think it might have been the the drawstring one. Oh, yeah. bring back the. Hashtag bring back the laces. Overall 90s player outside Man United? I'd have to say, outside United, um, I'd have to say Dennis Bergkamp. Mm, good one. Uh, yeah, just a genius. Or Zola, you know, yeah. two players where, even though it was a physical league at that time, more so than it is now, just had absolute class and a touch you couldn't even get near. So I'd have to say one of them, two absolute technicians. Woods, even though Burkham, obviously, we'll talk about this later on as well, was a bit of a thorn in the side of Man United. Was it someone like we've said, Cantona from afar did you did you look at Burkamp and, and, and think wow oh yeah we, 
a lot of United fans didn't particularly dislike Arsenal. We had enough yeah. rivalries uh, in the north to deal yeah. with. Arsenal were, were a decent team, you know, a team of men who could play football. There was a lot of players we respected, like Overmars and mm. even Anelka when he started playing and Tony Adams. So, no, I always liked Bergkamp. Yeah. We always got well, we'll talk more about that later on um, when we talk about the, the famous 99 semi-final. But we're going to speak to uh, someone who's very much involved in was probably the match of the decade and has been voted since the, the match of the Premier League, the first, certainly the first 20 years of the Premier League. Uh, he was manager of Liverpool. Um, it's Roy Evans. Roy, welcome to Life and Kicking. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Hi, nice to be here. Thank you. Brilliant. We're going to take you back to the 90s. Um, you were made Liverpool manager in 1994. What was that like for you, um, someone who had been in the club a long time? Was it a proud moment? What do you remember? Well, it's a proud moment, but obviously Graham Souness had, had, had walked away and you know, he hadn't had enough and it hadn't been going quite so well. Um, and I got offered the job and, uh, let's say, um, I mean, I'd, I'd served obviously my apprenticeship. I'd worked with the reserves and the first team for a long time and uh, it was nice to be offered the job and... Uh, uh, the only thing, of course, that you, you don't realise is the in the reality of it all is uh, mm. what it means to so many people. So um, you take the job. I was called to the chairman's house and he uh, gave me the job. And then you think, God, what have I done? It's uh, this, this means so much to so many people, and I'm in charge of the football inside of it. So uh, yeah, so great time. But as, as you say, it's uh, uh, the reality of it is um, the responsibility is massive. Absolutely. Well, we're talking memorable matches tonight, and there's probably more, more memorable than the famous 4-3 at Anfield in 1996, where, where you were manager. What do you remember of the build-up to the game? Because Newcastle obviously were going for the title. You were there in, in or about. But what do you remember about the build-up? Well, the build-up obviously was. I think, I think both it was me and Kevin both wanted to, to beat United. Um, obviously, to win the title, obviously, that, that's the, the biggest thing. Um like every other game you've got, you've got to try and win them as a home game for us um, Newcastle were going well we were, were playing decent football um, and like always you, you try and just um, build your team up to uh, to get a result on the day Yeah and you took an early lead through, through Robbie Fowler but, it, but Newcastle turned the game on your head and then half time it was 2-1 what was your team talk like? Do you remember your team talk that day? Well we made a couple of mistakes to be fair in the fair, we, we started the game okay and then we made a couple of mistakes um, and got caught out um, and which you know, good teams can do to you. Um, but again, it's just a matter of believing in yourselves. I and mean, we knew we, we were a good attacking force. Um, and we had to go and try and win this game. There was no point in trying to uh, to get a draw out of it. It was, I think, at that stage of the season, it was it was win or nothing. And uh, as the game played out, obviously from uh, from our point of view, uh, we got back into it and uh, managed to, to win it in the end. What is that feeling like? I mean, as a fan, a last-minute winner is, is such an amazing feeling. But as a manager, I mean, you must have been tearing your hair out in that sort of game. But to get a goal in that dramatic fashion, what was it like on the bench? It's strange enough. It was like uh, it was everything seemed to go so quickly because the game was obviously entertaining in, in, in the way it was. I mean, we had obviously had two four-three games with Newcastle, but this one was was the one that was really because of end-to-end stuff. Either team could have won it. Um, Unfortunately, it was us. But I say that the, the difference, as you, as you saw on, on the, the television screen, of, of the winning and the losing, I'm delighted, and, and Kevin is is heartbroken. So it's, uh, and I have to remember, both of us are fans, really, of our clubs as well. So mm. uh, 
it was a great uh, it was a great result for us to get there, and, and it kept us in the in the race. You mentioned that image of Kevin Keegan that's quite famous of him slumping over the ball. I mean, what did you say to him after the game? Did you still have a, a drink after the game? Oh, of course he did. Yeah, we always have a drink after the game. It's uh, <laughs> a big face. Uh, no matter what the, the competition is, I mean, you, you do it in the, in the right spirit. Um, and just on the day, I say we just had that little bit more firepower. You know, that Collymore scores the goal, and uh, at the end of the day, uh, we've won. But it's, it's could could just have easily have gone the other way as well. So um, you, you've got to take them, and, and um, obviously Kevin was, a, was upset. Um, he was gutted, and that's the only word I can say. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to go on and get on with it and try and do the best for your club. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And for you, I mean, have you been involved in football a long time, and at that point as well, have, have you ever seen a game like that? Is was that for you? Was it the best game you'd ever been involved in? Um, no, the best game that you're really involved in in terms of being a manager is like or player is the one that you win easy four five nil. Yeah, the other games that you obviously want to be involved in. But in terms of you know if you, if you look back on it and, and the whole the whole thing, um, I think it was a great game to watch because it was, as I say, it, it, it was it wasn't a game dominated by either team. Um, the attacking options were there. Some of the defending wasn't uh, top class. I have to say that. But at the same time, um, in, in, in the, the fans and maybe the television viewers, obviously it was fantastic because it went from end to end and goal to goal. Um, and even even you know, after we scored the winner, there was still no guarantee that it was going to be uh, three points. Mm. Do you think those both those teams saw what maybe underachieved? Because you look at the players that were both in, in those teams, do you think they could have gone on to maybe do better things in, in that era? Or United so good? Well, United were good. You've got to give United credit. Of course, they're there. They were, they were a decent team, that, uh, and they had the, uh, that, the confidence to go and win these things. They'd done it before. Um, yeah, I've got massive regrets. Obviously, that we didn't go on to win it in one of my sort of four years uh, at the top. And on that year, probably uh, we had a great chance, and maybe that uh, was the year before, the year after. Uh, we also had a, a chance as well, and we just couldn't quite get over the line. But yeah, it's a big regret. Um, but I'd say we were we were close on on three or four occasions. Uh, you did. I think you did a great job in taking them to the wire. For you, you played. You managed a, a great squad of players there. Could you pick out a couple the best that you managed of the nineties of that era? Well, um, yeah. I mean, obviously you, you're the team, and you know you want to keep it as a team. But obviously Fowler, McManaman, mm. I think they were a great sort of partners. Two best mates who sort of could get together on a pitch. You've got you know Redknapp and people there. Collie Moore on his day was to be you know a, a, a fantastic asset, but all over we had a, a team of, of decent players. John Barnes, of course, is there again playing in a different position, centre midfield. Uh, yeah, we were all down, but we, defensively we we weren't probably um, the best. But our style of football um, left us a little bit wide open. Uh, the defence is a bit there. So at the end of it all, um, I'm sure people enjoy watching it. But as I say, um, in terms of winning games. Um, we won more than we lost and uh, as I say I think it was great for the fans to watch as well it certainly was well, well thanks, for, thanks for speaking to us Roy we enjoyed looking back at those games ok mate thank you yeah, thanks a lot bye bye great to hear from, from Roy Evans there and some and top memories uh, about that game which we'll, we'll move on to now because if we're talking matches it is the match of the 90s um, uh, I think Sky Sports have, have shown it more times than they've probably shown anything else even Jim's, Jim White on deadline day I think any time any match is mentioned we, we talk about this one and, and go on take us back then to, to 1996 April 96 and, and that game what are your memories of it Sashin? Well my first memory was um, I was on a school trip that day and we went to the Somme 
the battlefield in France, which was a very surreal experience. And uh, we're on a coach home, and this is pre-Twitter, pre-mobile phones. Course, yep. uh, yeah, and the game had already kicked off. And I remember there was a lad on the coach who had a, who had a radio, a proper old-school transistor radio. So we were listening. We were listening <laughs> Aerial, to that, trying to get yeah, the, yeah. fuzzy sound. Yeah, and I think it was two, it was half time. It was two one at half time. Yeah, and well, I think yeah they we, were two one up. It was Sue yeah. scored first. It was Ferdinand Serles. Uh, and David Ginola had yeah. put them two up and Robbie, oh, Robbie Fowler had opened Robbie the score and, yeah. and, then, and then Ferdinand and Ginola so when I got off the coach it was 2-1 and my dad or my mum picked me up got home just in time for the second half and watched all the second half at home so I didn't actually I never watched the first half live uh, but yeah it was an absolute crazy game but what's kind of yeah I mean Sky, you know, Sky talk about it as being their game of the Premier League era and it was a brilliant game but um, without sounding negative, the defending yeah. was absolutely awful. As Roy said, the defend- oh, yeah, it was bad defending. It was one of those, kamikaze, I think he yeah. called it at some point. It was diabolical. And watching it again today, there were seven goals. I would say six of them were down to shocking defending. Yeah. And one, which was uh, our equaliser to make it three all, which was when McAteer whipped this absolute gorgeous yeah. crossing and Collymore scored at the back post. That was, you know, Newcastle couldn't really have done much about that. But every other goal was down to terrible defending. But, but, you know, saying that, it's what the Premier League's about. It was just end-to-end, helter-skelter football. And it was really good attacking play as well. I mean, watching again, Les Ferdinand was, was brilliant in that game. Yeah. His finish for the first, uh, Newcastle's first, was, was brilliant. You know, first sort of touch and bang uh, out of his feet. And Mark Wright sort of around him, he did brilliantly. He set up Ginola. And Collymore and Fowler were, were brilliant that day. Yeah. And, you know, Collymore's assist for Fowler's first goal was a brilliant cross. I mean, they didn't actually like each other. They didn't get on. But it showed you... It was like with United was showing them in cold. They didn't get mm. on. But it shows you when players... You don't have to get Click on, on the, the pitch. pitch. Yeah, well, on the pitch. They both seem like such easy-going guys as well. Mm. I don't know how I like uh, uh, no, it's amazing, isn't it? No, they, uh, I don't think they hated each other. I think it was, it was just they were so different. You know, yeah. Fowler's really outgoing and... and uh, an extrovert and Colin Moore was quite complex and sort of you know dashed home to Stafford after training and didn't really mix with anyone so I think that you know they didn't hate each other but just didn't get on and yeah the attacking play was phenomenal and uh, yeah Fowler was absolutely on fire I mean that season he scored I've got it he scored 28 goals in 38 games which you know it's just an astonishing turnaround that was probably when he was at his peak I mean mm. Old Trafford earlier that year in the game Cantona had come back earlier that season he'd, he'd got two uh, and he obviously got overshadowed Canton I equalised quite late on to make it 2 on in his comeback game but Fowler was incredible that day as well and the, the, he's got a chip was that well the first goal he smashed it past Schmeichel at near post the second one's when he just basically nudged Gary yeah. Neville off the ball and yeah just sort of lifted it over yeah Schmeichel. I remember that goal yeah um, but yeah that was a team just in absolute free flow mm. in absolute the peak of their power from an attacking point of view but defensively as was the case during the whole sort of 90s Liverpool just really really poor mm. as, a, as a neutral well kind of not at the time because it was your, your two rivals and as Roy said there they both wanted to beat Man United do, do you look back on that game and just think thanks Liverpool <laughs> yeah it was uh, well it was just a fantastic game you couldn't really see who was going to win it it was, it was just end to end but I, I just always remember thinking the game was over and then another goal going in another. I mean how many were late on was it well, do you know what I think the memory clouds because actually they were, they were, you know, Fowler scored quite early on and there wasn't a goal from I think 65 Collymore scored and then he scored again which was the 92nd yeah. the famous Collymore's closing in yeah. uh, commentary from, from Martin Tyler but you just remember Keegan's reaction yeah. falling down the advertising I think if there's a few images of the 90s if you can see the top 10 I think that's one of them isn't it is yeah. Keegan slumped out he knew then didn't he that it, given United the, the emphasis at least to, to, to go on then it was a media dream wasn't it Keegan yeah. so passionate I actually remember that although I was obviously delighted Liverpool had won and there was talk I remember in the, back in the studio I don't know who was in the studio for Sky saying oh Liverpool back in a title race mm. I remember looking at the league table thinking we're not in this and what we've done is we've knocked Newcastle out of it. and I actually looked at the points again I mean we had 
62 points from 32 games. Newcastle had 64 from 31. And United had 67 from 32. So we were still miles behind United. Yeah. Newcastle still had the game in hand. Bear in mind, this was April as well, April, wasn't it? Early yeah, early April. There weren't many games left. Newcastle still had the game in hand on us anyway. Yeah. So they were, you know, I think they probably won and, and got us. So although it was a great night, I did think, and you know, obviously I'd want, if we weren't going to win the league, I'd rather Newcastle than Man United. And I did think, Okay, brilliant, great win. We're not, we're still not really in this, and what we've done is we've knocked mm. Newcastle out of it. So it was kind of a mixed night for me, I must say. Did that game kind of sum up Newcastle in the nineties, though? Yeah, all out attack and nothing at the yeah, back. That was kind of Keegan's, <laughs> wasn't it? But they came close that season. But I think, as you say, the defending that. But same with Liverpool as well. I think, as we've already mentioned, the attack they built that team around Colin Warren Fowler and John Barnes as you say in the centre mid but the defence never really got the same I mean John Scowles was a very good defender but maybe not in a, a title winning league maybe Mark mm-hmm. Wright was coming towards the end of his career maybe that was was it an underachieving team as Roy said or do you think that the defence was never really good enough it was never good enough I mean he, he, he played three five, he played a 3-5-2 which at the time was really rare apart from sort of in Italy and Germany in England to play 3-5-2 was really rare and it definitely benefited the attacking element of the side because he had two great wingers in Rob Jones and Jason McAteer you had obviously the, t- the front two, Colin Warren Fowler, and then the midfield balance was really good. You had Barnes and Redknapp sitting. Michael Thomas, I think, played quite a lot that year, and then you had McManaman in that free role. But the three at the back were just not very good. I mean, Mark Wright, as you say, was probably the best of them, but he was he was coming to the end of his career. Scales was a very good defender, probably the best we had, but he was uh, again maybe not quite good enough, but still the best. And then he was the first one sold out the whole lot, yeah. which was really weird. He went to Spurs a couple of years later. And then you had Neil Ruddock, who was just absolutely hopeless. Um, he got totally done by Aspria for Ferdinand's first goal. When you sort of watch it back, he just nutmegs him and then just goes past him like he's not there. And they just weren't good enough. And, and they played as a three. And I think it was uh, Ginola's goal. If you watch that back again, they all get sucked towards Aspria on the halfway line. And Ferdinand just plays a ball around them. And then Ginola just runs straight through and scores. Yeah. Um, saying that they were underachievers, again, looking at sort of that era, Liverpool finished third, fourth, third and fourth. Sorry, fourth, third, fourth, third, and fourth in ten years during the nineties, which now would be you, you, consistent you, you, Champions League. And you'd bite your hand off for that yeah. now, wouldn't you? But at the time, it would only get yeah. you in the UEFA Cup, yeah. so it was always looked like Liverpool were falling way short. But they did underachieve because they were Liverpool, and in the nineties, there was still a big club who was still able to compete for the best players. But um, actually, the league finishes weren't that terrible; they just weren't quite good enough. So, what do you think they were lacking? Proper defence. I think the defence just let them down. They, they all during the nineties had really good attackers. You know, you had Ian Rush was still there. Robbie Fowler was obviously brilliant. Owen came through. That's um, a bit of pace at the back. Ruddock. Yeah, pace and just and just quality. Just just you know, Sammy Hippier came right at the end of the decade, and obviously was great for most of the noughties And he was probably the best centre half. Well, for now, without a doubt, the best centre half I've seen in my time watching Liverpool. And you just imagine what you know. Not Torben Peaknik. Not Torben Peaknik. No, no, always <laughs> Van Cosmo. Neither of them. Actually, the worst one of the worst players I've ever seen in Liverpool was Phil Babb, who was part of that era. He didn't play in that game. Actually, yeah. he might have been injured, but he was absolutely shocking. But Hippie, if we'd had a Hippie, just a leader, you know, someone who just kind of organises everyone. Mm. He could have sat in the middle of those three and said, "Look, you come here. You don't go wandering. Stay here." He needed a leader, and there were no leaders. I mean, Mark Wright should have been, but he, he was in and out. He's playing three at the back. You need three very yeah. good centre backs. You need three yeah. mobile, well, two at least mobile centre backs. Exactly And you look at the three played that night You had Mark Wright Who wasn't mobile Neil Ruddick Who definitely wasn't mobile <laughs> Scales was But then Scales Had a shocking night I mean he, he played Aspria on side For the goal That made it 3 all. Um, uh, no sorry 3-2 to Newcastle Sorry when Aspria Went round through And scored in the second half And so even he was Inconsistent It was just Lots of poor They were just poor basically What a silent he was Aspria I mean 
You know in fact, you know, we had a Newcastle fan already on the podcast, and it was his pick for yeah. for his nineties player on his CV. And I mean, I, I threw he the question at him. He did, and I threw the question: Did it upset the balance that season? And I think he he, he said it did, but to, it was more the defence. And I think that yeah. game showed, even with the attacker, because again, you look at the Newcastle attack. Like we've already said, Ginola, Espria, Ferdinand. Espria was great that night. Oh, and it was great. Absolutely. And the Barcelona night as well. He was yeah, absolutely, yeah. you know, he was unplayable. So. I think for both those teams, it really was a, 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 just a not a defensive yeah. mindset, and it, it showed by that game. And a really good uh, point that um, I think was made—I uh, can't remember who it was by—but somebody wrote about the, about, about the four-three and said, "What's?" And, and actually making the point that it was a poor game mm. was the fact that they both. Uh, they played again next year and they finished 4 3 again, yeah. which just showed these were sort of ingrained problems. But there. that one's never really. I was going to come on to that because that's never really. It was just as good as a game, but yeah. it was, it's never in this, It's never given the same attention or shown. You know, you see that Collingwood goal. I think maybe because yeah. it was a last minute goal. Yeah. And it well, was, the 4 3, the second time around was a last minute goal. I think the difference was, first of all, this was the original 4 3, yeah. so it has that sort of feel about it. But actually, what happened because the, the original 4 3, the game we're talking about, was end to end. It was it was Liverpool, then Newcastle, then, then Liverpool, then Newcastle. That game, if I remember right, the won the following season Liverpool actually had quite a comfortable lead I think they yeah. were 3-1 up I might be right so they dominated then Warren Newcastle, Barton scored didn't yeah, they yeah. then Newcastle made it 3 all, and then Liverpool got winners so it was an end to end Liverpool was essentially on top and then they just and I don't think Newcastle were quite in the title race as they were the season before I think also it's the commentary and the pictures of Keegan that really you know made the moment that people mm. remember and often it's the moment rather than yeah. the football you know yeah. matters off the pitch and it just accumulates into that you know 90s moment isn't yeah it? what it led to that season that, that I love it as well it was all that kind of yeah. you know combination of, of Keegan losing the grip on the league yeah. um, we're going to talk Liverpool again and May United because you, you're both here and this kind of nicely leads me you mentioned Neil Ruddock as well because you guys had a game uh, the, two seasons before, uh, before that 94 we're looking at um, which so we, this was before the days the 4-3 existed so this was at the time seen it was quite a, another game that was kind of end to end it was thrill um, probably a much I don't want to say worse is a bit harsh, but a lesser Liverpool team than the one that we were talking about previously. But a Man United team in all black that was a classic Man United team, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I've still got that kit, actually. The sharp view cam. Yeah, one of my collector's <laughs> items. Um, yeah, it was mixed emotions for that game. It was obviously, we started it amazingly and mm. went 3-0 went up. Yeah. Uh, and then capitulated in the second half. Uh, that was when Ferguson was a bit more cavalier. And, you know, may not have shut up shop as he might have done uh, later on in his career when Kiros was there to actually teach his team how to defend and <laughs> not attack. But, um, yeah, I remember it was, it was a great game. I always remember Owen's free kick. Yeah. Because he was a great... Fr- until date, like, people talk about Beckham and Giggs, but Dennis Irwin yeah. took penalties as well, Yeah, that he? boy could take a free kick, couldn't yeah. he? He was very unassuming and yeah. he didn't do anything absolutely spectacular but then he never did anything wrong and he was always a 90% man yeah. you know, one he was two footed as well yeah. he was left footed and right footed which is uh, yeah, he's a really talented footballer yeah. Dennis Irwin yeah. I think if you watch the, the Sky like the fantasy show that mm. they do and they do those 1 to 11s I think yeah. a lot if you've played with Dennis Irwin I think 9 times out of 10 he's in your team he's isn't he because yeah. yeah. he's a solid defender who can, and can score goals like that as well yeah you don't have to worry about him as well and getting the right mix between defending and attacking as a centre back you know he's never going to be caught up upfield with his pants down he's always going to be there when you need him and yeah uh, there's not a lot of left backs that can take free kicks like that even with the right foot so. a goal I remember Dennis Owens going I can't remember who it was against but I remember it because it was in the uh, Eric Cantona film looking for Eric and he talks about his best moment and it wasn't a goal it was a pass yeah and I think it's like with the outside of his foot and it's behind him and it goes to Dennis Owen and he finishes it off. I can't remember the game, but that always sticks out for me because Dennis Owen used to 
bombed so forward. I mean, it was before his, the you know wing backs were even invented. Dennis Irby and, and same with Gary Neville on the other side. They were they were bombing forward, and it, that always sticks out for me. That but that Liverpool team that night. I mean, so we said that you know Irwin's got a free kick. He's got a wonderful chip, if I remember rightly. It would have been over. Was that been David James? Grobler. Grobler was still yeah, Grobler yeah. at the time. Um, but that, Liverpool came back with Nigel Clough, probably the best thing he ever did in a Liverpool shirt this night, and then the Neil Ruddock goal. I mean. That team was a very transitional Liverpool team, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I mean, you can split the 90s from a Liverpool point of view into three, basically. You had the Graham Souness years, which were tra- the transitional years where you had an ageing team coming to the end, an ageing, dominating team, and he was trying to turn into a younger, fresher side. And, and he'll always say the mistakes he made, and obviously the fans will say, is that he did it too quickly, he got rid of too many players too early. You had the Roy Evans teams we've spoken about in the mm. mid-90s as a sort of free-flowing young side, and then the sort of Julio team right at the end. And that team was a transitional set. That was, that was uh, a team which had lost you know, players like Steve McMahon and Peter Beardsley. Yeah. Barnes was, I think, injured or certainly coming towards the end of his time as a, as a top, top-level player. And then you had the, sort of new, the new signings like uh, Ruddick and Clough had just come to the club and uh, I think Julian Dixon played that night as well Stig Bjornaby obviously came off mm. the bench and put the cross in it wasn't a very good team basically um, if you look at the quality levels between that side and United I mean it was just yeah. United which were, made it all the better result because yeah. you, you were quite underdogs for that game if I remember right probably were yeah yeah um, I mean that was also the night I think the cop had a banner saying something like because United just, were champions they just won the Premier League the yeah. year before and they, uh, there was a banner in the cops they come back when you've won 18 which <laughs> came back to Horn Liverpool yeah. well and truly uh, a few years <laughs> there's later there's a big grin on Charlie's face yeah. right now uh, so it was a really difficult season that it was um, yeah it was, it was a season where you, I think you properly realised Liverpool Slipping way back yeah. here, and and I think Souness was gone the following year. Uh, yeah, ninety. Yeah, ninety four. Yeah, he went early ninety four. That was the ninety three, ninety four season. Yeah. So yeah, he went the following year, and it was uh, it was yeah, it was a really depressing time to be a Liverpool fan. I mean, I was very young at the time, and I don't. So I don't have the full context of it, but I imagine if you were someone who was in the twenties or thirties, you're probably thinking, "Oh, this is awful." Having yeah. watched them win leagues and, and and European cups in the eighties. Yeah, I remember Ruddock the equaliser because he seemed to bang heads with I think it was Steve Bruce. And, Bruce, yeah, and, he, Bruce, yeah. and his celebration, they're all going mental, and he's yeah. holding his head. Well, Jamie Redknapp was pulling him sort of in yeah. absolute ecstasy, and he's just you know he's obviously clearly it's quite pain. a collision that Bruce and Ruddock. Yeah, you, you think Ruddock's a big guy? Those, yeah, so absolutely. It's a really yeah. good header, actually. Really good yeah. header. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on slightly to, to an international game. And we're not going to talk too much on this because we're going to do a pod on Euro 96 at some point during the season. But one game we can't ignore if we're talking memorable matches from the 90s uh, is the, the 4-1 England-Holland game, of course, which I would say, I mean, I wasn't around, obviously, for, for 66, but probably England's best, perform- best result and probably performance since they've won the World Cup. And that's all it was lauded at at the time. Um, year and it was a fantastic time to be an, to an England fan, football fan. What what do you guys first? You know, Charlie, what do you remember about that game and and the euphoria of, of Euro '96? Yeah, I remember that one pretty well. I was on holiday for the first game. Was it Switzerland? We, yeah, we beat one nil. Now we drew one all. We, we yeah, drew yeah, Shearer scored. Yeah, one all. And then you know all the the preseason hype. We thought we were going to batter everyone. The great generation. And as England do, bring you down to reality with a draw. But yeah, in that game, everything clicked. I remember the, the famous goal was showing him and Shearer just... The dummy, yeah. Yeah, just uh, toying with a, a really decent defence as well. And after that, you thought, you know, we can go on and win it. What a great game. It was a great game. It's, it was a great game, a great performance. Some say, you know, because it was at Wembley and the euphoria took over, it just all clicked. But were that team not as good as we thought we look back on because of the euphoria that they were involved in no I think they were a really good team and I think the more you look at them the more you think they're a really good team there's a lot of people who, who uh, denigrate Euro night, England's uh, performances Euro 96 and point out the fact which is quite a valid point that they actually only won two games mm. which was Scotland and Holland they drew Switzerland 
Uh, they drew Spain and beat them on penalties. Yeah. Obviously, lost to Germany. Spain were a better team, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, well. and, and Spain, yeah, they deserved. I think they had a goal ruled out, mm. which shouldn't have been ruled out. But I think if you look at that one to eleven, that was a really good England team. And tournament football's like that. You don't, you know, the best teams don't actually win that many games necessarily. They may get through sort of skin of their teeth, but the best team always wins. And England maybe just weren't, weren't certainly weren't as good as Germany at that time. But no, they were they were phenomenal that night. And uh, I think. Um, similar to the Newcastle game I don't think I watched the first half because I think I had end of year school exams I was revising while the first half <laughs> was not allowed to watch on. it there yeah, yeah, was well, no Sky Plus to pause you it you weren't taught any World War Battlefields like no that, no, no I was off I was off the Battlefields I had enough I'd had my fill um, <laughs> but yeah it was a, yeah, a few months after wasn't it the Newcastle game just yeah. dawned on me yeah so I think I had some sort of ex- I think I had some end of year exams so I didn't watch the first half watch the second I, I can't remember what the scoring was I've got to be honest in that game but um, I can tell you uh, Shira, with 23 minutes he opened the scoring and the, the rest of the goals were the second, second half. half so yeah I do remember sort of no, knowing what happened oh, the lights are just oh they're back on we're okay we're not being told to go I, yet I had an absolute howler like you as, as I was at school uh, they had an assembly after school on the day of the semi-final between England and Germany how dare they and everyone Selfish. had to come and we, I went to an old boys school obviously everyone wanted to watch the game even the teachers and there were some people with radios so we knew when people were <laughs> school. in the evening there was an assembly in the evening in the evening yeah that's in the mental. week it, I, it's that's not that's to somebody there just didn't like football and wanted to really put the boot right in. I don't think I grew up as an adult because of that experience. <laughs> I think, I think so, I'm slightly yeah. traumatised. Yeah. That's bit child broken. cruelty, surely. Not. It really is. When you're 16 and football's <laughs> your life. <laughs> that was the biggest game as well. I mean, um, that goal by Cliver as well not helped Scotland as well. Yeah. which Because that was um, a good Holland team as well. Yeah, fancy, I mean, they always have their, yeah. especially of that era, the Holland team could never quite yeah. get on with each other, could they? I think that was no, always there. They had major problems that, that tournament. But no, I think I think it was a really good England team actually. And you look more now, when you compare them to the England team now in terms of quality, yeah. there's loads in that team well I always say and I will do I keep saying this because I, I like to tell you what's coming up but, but we'll do a striker spot at, at some point but you look at the strikers that, that weren't really getting in the England team at that point I mean Sheeran showing them were the first choice mm-hmm. but in that squad you had Ferdinand and Fowler who never really made a, a proper England career and then you had guys like Collie Moore you Ian, had Wright. Ian Wright you had Snow. Matt Dion Dublin they just went Andy Cole who never you know when he got shot didn't quite fulfil it but they would all walk into the current England team. It was quite a quite an array of strikers. And talking of Andy Carr, we're going to go back domestically and over to Charlie because one game in the 90s that still stands and is a record in the Premier League is the highest scoring well, by one team, the highest thrashing. I think it switched fans are, are hoping uh, it yeah. doesn't happen. To, you're playing them this week, aren't you, in, in the Cup? We are, uh, yeah, so tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, tomorrow night. So I'm hoping that they don't happen uh, again. So, But yeah, 9-0. What do you remember about the 9-0 of, of 95? Well, it was a season just before I got a season ticket. Uh, I remember watching the goals just flow in. Um, I remember, well, I, I had to check this before, actually, because uh, it was, what, 20 years ago. It My was, memory yeah. isn't as fresh. But Roy, Roy Keane was playing right back and scored first. And then the, score first, yep. the, the floodgates just opened, and it reminded me, we, as a, as a schoolboy, I got through to a cup final, and we thought we were a decent team. And then we played this team, we got beaten 7-0 in front of everyone, and everyone was watching, and I just wanted to disappear, and that must have been <laughs> like the Ipswich players felt and even uh, even NC scored from a direct yep. free kick just lobbed the keeper I remember yeah Cole scored five that game he scored well he had four didn't he I remember there was one that was a deflection or looked like an own goal he was credited to him in the end but I remember yeah. at the time this was before the dubious goal do you think Andy Cole panel. cares if it was a deflection yeah, yeah no he doesn't but the, before the dubious goal panel he was yeah. given it to him in the end but yeah he got five he was the first player in, in the Premier League to score five goals yeah. in a match and it's not I don't think it's been, it's been repeated twice since I think I think um, Defoe's done it yeah. Shearer's done Shearer it Shearer did it 99 against Sheffield Wednesday and Defoe did it against Wigan didn't uh, he so. Berbatov did it yes and Berbatov Blackburn. yeah there you go 
Keep um, it 90s though Yeah I remember Giggs was on fire Even though he didn't score But that sort of game Wouldn't happen now uh, Ipswich Ipswich actually beat United Early in the season yeah, In the, yeah. in the uh, return fixture 3-2 So Don't it, anger the beast That's the lesson there isn't it Exactly <laughs> So I, I was like Yeah I'm having a season ticket there I'll see a bit more of that thanks Yeah it's, do, you, do you think It's the sort of games We won't see In, the, in modern day football I don't know because you'll you'll always have really good teams, really crap teams. So mm. it is possible. I mean, that Wigan game you you talked about the Spurs Wigan yeah. game was eight two or something. Yeah. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Like two or three years. What about ago. Germany Brazil? Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, I think it can happen. I think. Um, funny enough, talking about that game, I remember it was on a Saturday afternoon. So yeah. I remember it was like sort of following it on Teletext, and uh, I oh, was a little round of applause for Teletext. Yeah. <laughs> teletext mentioned. There you go. And uh, I remember, like, obviously, I don't like Man United, but I remember even looking, thinking, I wouldn't mind them getting ten here, just because, like, to say. Yeah. It was a 10 nil game yeah. I mean there's never been one In my lifetime It's only at a decent level And thinking I'll watch Match a day And see a 10 nil yeah. game So I was almost going Well I might as well Just get a 10th now Because it'll be 10 nil I've never seen 10 nil On a teletext You know It'd be brilliant So it was What would the Vinny printer Have done Because well, when it was the 7 score. Oh yeah that's true That's true yeah. when, when, on, the, on the football score yeah, yeah. When the Vinny printer That we used to watch This was before We had Jeff Stelling On a Saturday And a team used to score 7 I always remember He used to spell out yeah. 7 like So just in case Anyone was yeah. Thinking think it was broken I think on the On the soccer Saturday If they get 8 It still says 8 Oh they've brackets. gone one They've gone one more Yeah, have they? yeah. But I don't know Why do they do that Because it, it's eight. so unbelievable <laughs> yeah, It's the machine I think when the Vinny printer Someone used to literally Type it didn't they I think maybe oh, people right. Were always scared That someone had missed Oh made, made a mistake yeah. <laughs> yeah, And they exactly. had to spell out Seven Yeah But yeah we may see it again But it was, uh, it was a main United team I mean you say it was Saturday afternoon I remember I think he'd be at home that day And I was on the, on the way home um, from a game myself and, and hearing that on the radio and it's one of those things you just not capital gold I think it was back in those days and you you kind of look at the radio and go how many and yeah May United in, in absolute full flow is that one of the best do you think performances for May United of the 90s yeah it was but I think obviously the opposition weren't great yeah. uh, that was back Poor in the day Craig when Forrest. we had was it 22 teams in the, yeah. in the Premier League so the, the league wasn't quite as good but um the best performance I've ever seen was uh, oh, maybe not it wasn't in the 90s but as a United fan was when we beat Roma 7-1 yeah. that was the best performance because they were a quality team yeah, you know. there's a difference in quality but, there uh, we've gone into the wrong uh, decade <laughs> there's a story the actually I read to just looking at the game earlier on and it's from uh, Andy Mitten who's a brilliant uh, Manchester United uh, yeah, journalist yeah podcast yeah he's, uh, he was, there's a story apparently that uh, Andy Cole saw Craig Forrest uh, on holiday I don't think it was the season before, season after or a couple of seasons later and, and all he could do was apologise yeah. <laughs> poor Craig Forrest is there on his holiday thought he'd had enough Andy Cole with five goals past <laughs> him to buy him five drinks yeah I think he might have have to uh, the, one of the last games we're going to look at um, and it's one of the games that um, is talked about as one of the best games at the old Wembley Stadium actually and it's a playoff final which are I mean, these days they're, they're so hyped, but even then they're massive, massive games. And between Charlton and, and Sunderland, it was a four-all draw. Uh, it had, this game had everything. Uh, Clive Mendonca scored a hat-trick. You had the Quinn and Phillips memorable partnership, and it went to penalties, and it was an awful Michael Gray penalty that, that settled it in the end. And it was, uh, I think it was 7-6, actually. I think all the penalties were scored up until that point. Um, and to tell us a bit more about it, we're going to speak to Shoot Editor, Shoot Very 90s as well, Dan Tyler. Dan, welcome to Alive and Kicking, mate. Hi Ash, how are you? I'm very well, good to have you on. We're talking memorable matches, um, yep. not so many memorable than for Charlton fans than the famous 1998 playoff final. What are your memories of it? Well, I was actually only seven at the time, but I remember watching it with my dad on the TV and it was just an incredible day, incredible day for Charlton fans. I, to be fair, going back to that time, I wasn't so much into football, you know, sort of just getting into it after Euro Euro 96, a couple of years after Euro 96. And just the game itself, 
was just amazing. I think it was voted the best game at the old Wembley. Yeah, I think I read that too. Yeah. yeah, so obviously Sunderland, the, the previous games we played in that season are actually draws. And uh, Although this one was a draw, I don't think anyone could expect it to be 4-4. Um, Clive got a great hat-trick, amazing hat-trick. He was a brilliant player for us. Um, he's just one of those players that you want in the box, you know, fox in the box, and mm. he seemed to score every time he got he got an opportunity. But the whole day was just, well, just absolutely incredible. To get to the Premier League, which a club had been trying to do after sort of uh, moving away from the Valley, that was nine, and then getting back there in 92 and then getting to the Premier League six years later. But the game itself, you know, obviously we got 1-0 in front and then got pegged back. Sunderland had a great team then there, Quinn and Phillips up front. Obviously they used to get goals all the time and mm-hmm. they stepped up to the big occasion. But then uh, we went 2-1 down and then 3-2 down and then five minutes ago, Richard Rufus equalised with a header. I think their goalkeeper made a bit of a mistake coming to get that, coming to try and claim the corner. But uh, just the penalties and just everything. I, I still watch it back now and you think, what an incredible match. It had everything, everyone it really was, did. It did, it had absolutely everything. And it, you see some of the challenges in there now, you, none of the boys would get away with that in this day and age. Mark Kingsella throwing himself around and... Uh, yeah, it was just an amazing day for the club and obviously they managed to get up and then got relegated the season after but bounced back again, winning the league title in 2000 and then obviously stayed up for a good seven years then and hopefully the club, well, probably not going on recent results but hopefully the club are sort of building their way to get back there now. Um, I don't know if I could take it play a final like that um, again. I don't yeah, they're, I they're, they're full of drama, I, aren't they? Yeah, and that one was especially that team. I mean, it had some great players. You mentioned a few of them there. Yeah. What, can you pick out a couple of favourites of the time? I mean, Clarkin was a fantastic goal scorer. Would, would it be him or, or, or another? Uh, probably go with Richard Rufus, to be honest. Mm. Um, Kerbishley said, I think after after Kerbishley decided to, um, you know, do off his time at Chelsea, and that uh, he was probably the best defender I hadn't played for England. Um, and he was a he was a brilliant centre back, sort of old fashioned, put his foot in, such a good reader of the game, but also could play, he could play with the ball. Uh, he was there for he was there for a good few years after, but he was one a bit like Ledley King, suffered a lot of injuries yeah. and had to retire early. But I'd probably say Rufus because when I started getting into football more and started going to Charlton, I was I could watch Richard Rufus play, whereas I sort of missed it a little bit on the Clive Mendonca era. But if you ask my dad, he'd definitely say Clive Mendonca. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot for Chelsea. But yeah, Rufus, absolutely underrated, definitely. And it was a great yeah. game. Um, just quickly talking to you about Shoot as well. Obviously a very big 90s brand. Uh, you guys are yeah. still going. How, how are things at Shoot? And uh, w- will we see another annual this year? Because that's a brilliant memento from the 90s. Yes, there is another annual. It actually came out on the 1st of August there so it comes out in August every year and uh, but obviously people don't really start picking it up until December time but yeah it's uh, the annual still going strong and then we've got a new website now everything's sort of going online so we're getting great content on there every week so yeah although there's been a lot of changes you know different from when even when I was younger when I used to go in the shop every week and buy it, pick up the magazine mm-hmm. um, now it's all online but obviously now you know they can come online and see our stuff and 
and go in the shop and pick up a copy of Kit, can't they? So. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. We're all happy. Then. <laughs> well, it's good to see that the Shield yeah. brand's going and great to share those memories of the Charlton game. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Dan. That's all right. No problem, Ash. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, mate. Bye. Uh, another great game of the 90s there. I think it's one of Charlton's best moments. Uh, we've got a couple more games um, we're going to look at before uh, we run out of time. Um, one is a, a May night game that's right at the end of the decade, and it was the last ever FA Cup semi final uh, replay. So, last ever Cup semi final replay, as Martin told us, Tyler told us the other night. Um, the 2 1, and of course, it's always remembered for that Ryan Giggs goal. Um, another game that had everything, didn't it? I mean, literally, you had. Great goals. You had red cards, missed penalties, and and you on the way to the treble. Uh, tell us about that game, Charlie. Yeah, well, that's when you know it could have been a, between a mediocre season or everything going for United. It wasn't as if we were like Barcelona recently. We were the best team in the world. We were a very good team playing on full confidence, and we had to play to our absolute maximum to play uh, to beat Arsenal. Um, obviously, it held us in the first leg, and. Uh, yeah, to get to extra time, the thing that actually decided it, which a lot of people forget, was that Ryan Giggs started on the bench. Mm, yeah. And uh, that seemed like a strange decision, and it, and it probably was. It could have backfired. But obviously he had the legs at the yeah. right at the last minute, because Vieira certainly didn't. If you, mm. if you watch that pass back, and we yeah. still sing a song about that. Uh, yeah, he had the legs to go and beat three or four men and score probably the most memorable goal in, in the FA Cup. So he had everything, especially Keane getting sent off. And then uh, Neville bringing down, uh, was it Parler? Phil Neville brought down yeah. Parler and Schmeichel saving the penalty in the last what minute to take it to well. extra time. Yeah. I remember jumping around like a lunatic watching that game. But it's a game you can appreciate. Uh, I mean, I had no allegiance to either team, but it's one of those games that literally you, you had twists and turns because when Keane got sent off, you thought that was it, it was Arsenal's in, and then they missed a the penalty, and then the gigs thing. I mean, even as a, I imagine you wanted the Arsenal to win, but as a game, it was it was it was it had everything, didn't it? Yeah. Well it was two really good teams yeah. playing against each other. At their peak probably. At their peak, yeah. Two two of the best teams of the decade, without a doubt. The United Treble team and I mean one of my favourite teams in the nineties is the Arsenal the first Wenger yeah. uh, title yeah. winning so the ninety seven ninety eight. Team. Yeah. The the yeah. team. I just thought that was an absolute yeah. exceptionally I'm with you. Team. I think they're actually Maybe better than the even though the Vince team were they went unbeaten. That team had just had a little bit more sparkle, didn't it? They, they were they were of those great Arsenal teams. They were my favourite Arsenal yeah. team. I just think that it was just a brilliant balance of sort of four old five five old Englishmen at the back yeah. and then these sort of sophisticated foreigners ahead of them. I just summed up by that Tony Adams title yeah. winning goal at, at Highbury against so, Everton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's essentially that team because it was a season after they won the double mm. against you know obviously the best United team in history and they're just going toe to toe. It was yeah I wanted yeah obviously I wanted Arsenal to win but I wasn't. I didn't have much of an interest in it in terms of it didn't affect Liverpool too much and it was just a great game and yeah the gigs goal was you know you're watching at the time and you think I've watched a piece of history here this is my prop- you know, this goal will get played yeah. over and over again and uh, no it's a great great game it's the second best FA Cup goal after Travis Sinclair um, <laughs> well, the bicycle kick. the bicycle yeah, kick. that when did you I was asked my main night fans this of that season when did you believe that, that the treble you know, was going to happen because I think they, they, the media it never happened before. They talked about it, they talked about it, talked about it, but everyone's kind of like, oh, they could do the treble. When for you was the moment like we could, we're going to do this? Uh, probably when Solskjaer stuck his toe out. Sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, right to the right to the end. I should have been in the new camp. Uh, I was I was doing my GCSEs at the time, and my uh, my your sister, school didn't make you stay, did they? No, my sister, my sister complained so much that, that I had a ticket and not her. That my dad took neither of us. It was oh like, no! Oh it was like, Have you ever talked to your sister again? I, I don't really. Uh, she's, she's dead to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the way through that that game. Uh, 
in Barcelona Bayern were the better team they hit the post and they hit the bar and we just looked down and out because we didn't have Keenan Scholes and to be honest you know looking going into that game you didn't have a great hope that was a great Munich team with Effenberg and uh, what's the keeper called Oliver Kahn Oliver Kahn yeah just a a really tough German team with a bit of flair and Giovanni Elber and a yeah, I didn't think we were going to win it till the end, but it's one of those seasons where everything just came in. And as I said, we weren't an unbelievable team, but we were a very, very good team, and everything went our way that season. Mm. Liverpool should have stopped them in the FA Cup that game. Well, Arsenal fans always say they should have stopped them uh, in in all the competitions. I've got Arsenal friends that say that. Uh, before we go, I'm just going to quick mention. I'm going to ask the guys if they've got any other games. For me, the game that. I always remember it's only because um, it's not because it's May United but because of the Philip Albert goal um, that he scored at the 5-1 that Newcastle it was at St James's Park wasn't it, it yeah, was, yeah yeah I mean was it 5-0 I think it was 5-1 yeah I think it was was it 5-0 no it's 5-0 it yeah sorry 5-0 yeah. um, and that Philip Albert it was the again the Martin Tyler commentary the Philip Albert and he just where he did the Gary Neville high voice as it came and that was a you know that was a Newcastle as we talked about them in full flow that was a pro- the, that was a the the game that really thought maybe they could do this but as we've said, the defensive frailties. But for you, is there uh, any other games that stand out for you, Sashim? Um, I think um, I think the Blackburn Liverpool game mm. when just for the drama, just yeah. for the drama. And I think it was the first time Sky showed two games live yeah. at one time. And I think that was a moment where you went, "This is massive now. This English football is massive." Yeah. You know, there's two games live at the same time. Which obviously now kids listen to this will go, yeah. "What's the big deal?" Well, that, that press that the felt, red button and they're all there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but that felt massive at the time. They had two games at the same time, and it's probably the only time in my life I wanted Liverpool to lose. And they won, and I was I was really annoyed with Jamie Redknapp. And then it didn't matter anyway because they still won the league. Mm. Um, and just for sentimental reasons, any game from Italia '92, my first, yeah. first World Cup, a lot of fondness for it. And uh, yeah, I think Cameroon beating Argentina, massive was, shock. Uh, yeah, was, the England Cameroon uh, games was, was a great yeah, game as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that that game was when I sort of my sort of football world opened up yeah. as well and I yeah. thought I properly love this sport yeah. well we do an Italian 90 pod in a couple of weeks so look out for that one Charlie any more games before we, you want to mention before we go uh, I'd say uh, when we played Argentina in 98 with the Beckham yep. sending off and uh, Campbell's disallowed goal like another the, game that had everything free yeah. kick and, and all that but the, the game I remember most um, from from United fans point of view was uh, a game against um, Juventus and there, Del Piero yeah. and Zidane. I think we won three-two, and uh, I was just in awe because that was the first big Champions League game. Is that I've the game where Keane decided to win the game on his own? No, that was that was the one in '99 away. Oh, okay. I'm talking about one before this when they came to Old Trafford in the group stage. Uh, okay, I think yeah. Del Piero yeah. scored after yeah. about oh, sixty seconds. Mean, yeah, we yeah. scored three, and then Zidane scored a free yeah. kick at the end. And I was like, I don't mind that going. I've just seen a you know amazing yeah. play and a great game. That was the one that stuck out for me. Mm. Yeah. Big big memories. Uh, we, we stayed quite clear of the tournaments mainly because. Uh, the, the, the international tournaments because we're going to do pods on them separately but that Argentina game well is, is one to remember but before we go um, we've got a competition actually for the first time uh, on the podcast so um, listen up if you are a Liverpool fan actually we've got there's a new book that's come out uh, it's called Liverpool's Greatest Goals and it's just basically a rundown uh, of the best goals uh, throughout Liverpool's history so you've got the likes of uh, the 90s guys as we've mentioned like Barnes and Fowler and uh, Stan Collymore but as well as you know before that after that up to uh, I think last uh, the season four last with Luis Suarez um, it's that, we've got a copy is actually signed by one guy who was on the bench for the 4-3 we've mentioned Ian Rush so we've got a signed copy uh, of Liverpool's Greatest Goals by Ian Rush and what I'm going to do I'm going to put a picture of this on our Twitter feed and all you've got to do is retweet it to, to win it and then next week's pod I will uh, pick a winner um, and you'll get that signed book by Ian Rush uh, but 
thanks for tonight that was good to talk, talk Mary Mays. thank you for coming Enjoyed on it. thank you cheers Ash welcome back anytime um, next week uh, we will be talking Mavericks so we'll be getting you your Letitia's your Cantonas your Ginolas your Gazas your Decanios we'll be talking them all but until then keep it 90s this podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production Thank <laughs> you.